0: The title of my sermon is The Good News About Judgment. We have several texts that we're going to look at, and we're going to go ahead and get right into it. I'm going to read for you from Isaiah chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and then chapter 5, verse 8. And then we'll turn to Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 31 to 34. And so I invite you now to stand for the reading of God's word. So starting with Isaiah chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. The Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. And now skipping to five and eight. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. And now turning to the New Testament, the book of Romans, chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can have a seat. So this month, I have been in the book of Isaiah. So Often when I'm trying to figure out how to read through scripture, I'm one of those people who will absolutely, in a very legalistic way, sit down and say, every year I must read through the whole Bible cover to cover. Um, there is nothing wrong with doing that unless like me, you have made it like, it's not, I'm not, it's (laughs) my times are often not devotional. It's just like, okay, I'm on Leviticus. We're going to keep on, you know, it's, it's I don't encourage you to do that. So uh, what the Lord is, the way the Lord is working with me is that often when I get in these spaces, the Holy Spirit will direct me to a place, right? Just calm down today, Isaiah. So I've been in the book of Isaiah, and I have to say that if you read through the book of Isaiah, especially when we read through those first few chapters, those verses that I read for you today are in those first few chapters, it's convicting, Right, it's hard sitting in my home, warm, clothed, and well fed, and reading these words of judgment to those who are warm, clothed, and well fed, while others are not. To those who have built house upon house, who add to their to their well, it's it is hard to read that. It is convicting, and see in a church like ours, I think one of the tendencies. When we feel that tension, because not everybody feels that tension, Um, but one of the tensions for people who might feel that, that kind of like, Ooh, that felt almost like my toe got stepped on a little bit. Right. One, one, um, temptation is to retreat and say, well, yes, 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 yes. God definitely judged the children of Israel. They were wicked, weren't they? And it was so good. That God sent prophet after prophet to those hard-headed people to tell them about things like that. Oh, so glad that I am not one of those people, right? We feel that tension a little bit and then we retreat into, yeah, 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 but what I have is a blessing from the Lord. And so I don't need to worry that that this might be a word for me, especially in a church like this in a country like this, where according to numerous studies on people's perception of their own class status, there is no such thing as a rich person. No, no, no one's actually rich. We're all middle-class. It doesn't matter how comfortable you are. It doesn't matter how much you are struggling to pay. We're all middle-class. And so the temptation is to not identify with the people being judged. But to stand back as objective observers and say, oh yeah, they, they sucked. <laughs> so glad we don't suck that way. Well, there are some people who suck that way, but not me. <laughs> so glad God will judge them. We all tend, many of us tend to see ourselves as either the ones who have been plundered or the ones who were helpless to stop the plundering. Most of us never see ourselves as the one who plundered. And we certainly don't see ourselves as the ones who are continuing right now to plunder. For many of us, these passages from Isaiah, they don't give us pause because we see them as having nothing to do with any sin that would have left blood on our hands. It was for those people back then. Or for those people today who are certainly not me. And then there are others of us, and we live on the other side of that spectrum. We are painfully aware of our complicity and our participation in these corrupt systems. We will read a text like Isaiah 5, 8 and feel instant guilt at the size of our home the kind of job job that we have, the kind of car that we drive, the kinds of activities our children participate in. We will feel instant guilt about the frivolous purchases we made last week. In the first group, the people I spoke of, they can comfort themselves with this doesn't apply to me. But in the second group, The comfort comes from, well, I will just condemn myself more than anybody else could. The guilt starts to feel like the justified, right, and good enough punishment for our complicity in those sins. Neither of those is demonstration of a healthy understanding of God's judgment. (laughs) The first group of people are prone to thinking about God's judgment as being a relic of the past. One that has no real bearing on their present lives, save for maybe a kind of um, um, pointer to stuff that, you know, the things God doesn't like. The second group of people is prone to trying to assuage God's judgment through a sort of self-flagellation with guilt and shame. So... Whichever side of the spectrum you fall on today, I say in the most loving way possible, no. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, None of that. None of it. Neither is correct. (laughs) God's judgment is real. It is not, was not relegated to the Old Testament prophets speaking narrowly to the children of Israel or those who oppose them. God is still the righteous judge and you and I are in fact worthy and deserving of that judgment. We like the prophet Isaiah have unclean lips and we live among a people of unclean lips and no feelings of guilt and shame are not sufficient to save you from God's judgment If that were the case, there would have been no need for the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But God is not only a righteous judge, God is also a perfect judge. He does not need our help in performing the task of judgment, not for others and not for ourselves. He can do it all by himself. Amen. Amen. And I, and I want to really um, emphasize this, especially for those of you who are in that second camp. Um, so that's where I live. <laughs> Full confession, <laughs> disclosure. And what I have found is oftentimes in churches, especially when you hear sermons about sin, um, about judgment, about things like this, they tend to speak to the folk who um, maybe need to be shaken up a bit and be reminded that our God is a judging God, right? Right. The ones of us who fall in that second camp, we will sit in a sermon like that and be like, I know I am terrible. You're right. Like it just, it can make so it can drive home those feelings of guilt and those feelings of shame. And so I want to say to you. For those of you who are constantly grappling with judgment and constantly trying to be righteous, constantly trying to do the right thing, constantly evaluating yourself to see where your faults are and where you miss the mark. Hear this very well. Your inner critic is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. The Spirit will only ever bring conviction. And conviction from God is always accompanied by love and an invitation to freedom. So conviction can feel very heavy. I have been brought to my knees under the weight of conviction. But conviction will never crush you. It is heavy enough to lead you to repentance. It will not destroy you. And it will never whisper anything in your ear about you, about your identity, that is anything other than the fact that you are a child of God, beloved and chosen. Your inner critic is not the Holy Spirit. Conviction and repentance looks like the prodigal son coming to himself, getting up from the mud and returning home to his father. And it feels like being met with loving arms wrapping around you and welcoming you home. Amen? Amen. So this morning we are talking about judgment. (laughs) (laughs) and the line that we are looking at in the apostles creed, it comes directly from second Peter, excuse me, second Timothy chapter four, verses one and two. And I'm going to read that for you in the presence of God. And this is Paul writing to Timothy, um, and sort of giving him instruction about how he is to now go out and be a, a preacher in this place. So it says in the presence of God, um, and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So this is where this is the context for this, um, this statement that that God, Jesus Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. So how are we to understand God's judgment? A key distinctive of our faith is that we believe in the Trinity. This idea that God exists in three persons, um, St. Patrick, uh, you, most we know that like St. Patrick's Day, you know the the clover, right? That that be, has become like a symbol of that, and most people have no no idea why. Uh, so, a story surrounding St. Patrick is that he would use a clover to explain to people to give a visual of um, what the Trinity was, right? The idea, which is like, right, I see some faces going, oh, right. I love clovers for that very reason. Um, But the idea is it's a clover. It is a single thing, the same substance, one plant. But there are three distinct leaves on the clover. and So that's how uh, a a teaching tool that that St. Patrick is rumored, legend, to have used when he would interact um, with people who were not Christian. And so in this trinity... Scripture tells us that while judgment is under the authority of God the Father, God the Father has entrusted judgment to God the Son, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God the Father who will come and judge all of us. All of us who are now, who have been, and who will be. In those last days, judgment belongs to our God. The person of the Trinity who will judge is Jesus Christ. In a country like ours, where so many of us are privileged, and so many of us are comfortable, and honestly, regardless of where you are on a spectrum, I am a black woman in America. I absolutely understand being a person who is disadvantaged. (laughs) I am also an educated black woman in America. And so I also understand that I sit in a space where there are people who are disadvantaged because of the choices that I make every day and because of the way that I live, right? We are all wrapped up in this system, oppression, oppressing, oppressor, oppressed, right? And so In a country like ours, where on a national level, we kind of all occupy a position in some way, some shape, form, or fashion as oppressor at some point in time. Thinking about this again on a global scale. It is really, really hard. And most of us don't want to think about God's judgment. And we don't want to think about God as a judging God. We don't want to think about God as being angered by sin. We don't want to think about God as being wrathful because if we think too hard, then we start to feel like, well, wait a minute. I might be, I don't want, nope, 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 nope. And so we retreat into an image of God that is quite frankly more like Santa Claus um, or a genie in a bottle. He vacillates, right? Like, so Santa Claus, who's go, who can all, always watching and knows when we are sleeping and knows when we're awake and, you know, he knows when we've been good or bad. So be good for heaven's sake. And then the genie who we can just, God, I would like and then he'll just produce it, right? So we that's that tends to be the comforting image of God that we sit with but it is good news that our holy and righteous God is still the same God who will not and cannot tolerate sin it is good news in a broken world where people are regularly suffering and dying under the weight of oppressions of all kind that we don't serve a God who says "Ah, it's okay My job is to just watch and give you what you want. That would not be good news. That God would not be a kind and loving God. It is good news that the sin of this world, the sins that we have experienced, many of us in our own bodies, be it social sins, be it sins that were enacted against you in your homes of origin. It is good news that that God says that is detestable. That that God says, I see that. And it cannot stand. That is good news. That That sin is incompatible with God's love. And that judgment is absolutely a part of God's love is good news. For anyone in that first group who I talked about, who we can stand back and say, I'm so glad God is judging them. There's a part of that... <laughs> That is okay. The reason we can entrust God and we can believe that vengeance is the Lord is because we can believe that vengeance is the Lord's. That there will be payment. That there will be an accounting for. That is good news. Christ will judge. God will not allow sin to go unpunished. But here is the great news for all of us. The same Christ who sits at the right hand of God, the father, the same Christ who will come to judge the living and the dead. That Christ is also the one who intercedes for us day and night. That Christ is the one who fills through the Holy Spirit, fills our mouths with the prayers that we ought to pray for ourselves and for each other. That Christ, the one who judges is the one who knows everything that we have experienced because he experienced it in his own flesh and is the one who intercedes for us before the father. Christ in Christ you and I are not only hidden in such a way that we will be able to stand before him on that day of judgment with clean hands, but also that Christ has promised us abundant life. In a country like ours, abundant life also often gets confused for the American dream. That is not abundant life. Abundance also, at least... (laughs) at least, includes being able to live in a way where you know that the good work that has been begun in you will be brought to completion. Abundance means that, yes, I know of my sins. One, because I am filled with the Holy Spirit who will not let me just walk through this world ignorant and blind to my own wickedness and sinfulness. And two, I don't have to stay there. I don't have to be bound by judgment. I don't have to be bound by condemnation. I can turn to my father through Christ and repent and be forgiven. That's abundance. It's not that I'm going to be perfect on this side of glory, but it is that I don't have to walk around heavy laden. That God is still a God that judges is good news. Because the one who judges is also the one who intercedes. Because Jesus intercedes for us, you and I get to participate in the redemptive story that Valerie talked about last week. We get to participate in the renewal of all things, including the renewal of our broken lives and our broken relationships. We get to see Jesus' prayers for us be answered in the everyday miracles we experience as God brings to completion, that good work that he has already begun in us through Christ Jesus. That is good news. That is also a part of God's judgment because in his loving, wise judging way, he looked at us and said, I love you and sin cannot abide with me. And my desire is to abide with you. And so I have sent my son to die for you. And I have raised my son from the dead. And my son intercedes for you. God will not allow sin to stand. God is a righteous God. God is a judging God. You will be judged. And you are hidden in Christ, who loves you, who sees you, who knows you, who intercedes for you, and who will not allow you to just walk through this world bound and heavy laden by sin, guilt, or shame. That is the good news. Glory be to God.